I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. G-A-L-D-E-M. G-A-L-D-E-M. This song is good. Hello and welcome to Galdem's first ever podcast. Inspired by our book, I Will Not Be Erased, our stories about growing up as people of colour. My name's Liv, I'm Galdem's founder. And for those of you who don't know, Galdem is an award-winning media company committed to platforming the voices, perspectives and creative work of women and non-binary people of colour. Hello, I'm Charlie. I'm the head of editorial at Galdem and I'll be co-hosting our podcast with Liv. We're super excited to be starting our journey with you. Each week we'll invite a guest to respond to old diary entries, letters or text messages from their younger selves. The point is to nurture important discussions about growing up. You can find Growing Up with Galdem on Apple Podcasts, the Acast app, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to our podcast, Growing Up with Galdem. Hello and welcome to this episode of Growing Up with Galdem. We're really, really excited today to be joined by Diane Abbott, who needs little introduction. As you will all know, she was the first black woman ever elected to British Parliament and she has since built a distinguished career as a parliamentarian, broadcaster and commentator. And from the outset of her career, Diane has championed global justice, human rights, peace and security issues at home and abroad. 
From 2015 to 2019, Diane Abbott was a prominent member of the Labour Party's front bench, serving as the Shadow International Development Secretary and then Shadow Secretary of State for Health, and finally Shadow Home Secretary from 2016. In the last general election, Diane was re-elected as the Member of Parliament for Hackney North and Stoke Newington with a landslide majority. And we were also fortunate to work with Diane Abbott on an event that we worked on last year, and we are absolutely honoured to have her with us today on Growing Up with Galdem. So thank Thank you for joining us. Cool. So Diana, I just wanted to kick off by just letting you know how much you are truly loved by the Galdem community. We've published various articles sort of bigging you up over the years and, and sort of celebrating you. And whenever we do, we get a sort of beautiful response. Have you always sort of had that sort of younger base of, um, especially young black women who have, have come to you for advice and, and looked up to you in that way throughout your career? I've always tried to help young black women because in a way I'm in this in order to make it possible for a new generation to come along. So I've had various projects where I've reached out to young black women. I had a project for very many years called Black Women Mean Business, which was for black female entrepreneurs and a lot of those were young women. I had another project, London Schools and the Black Child, which is about black people in education. But I've also had young black women work for me as interns and as members of staff, and I've tried to mentor them. And one of my big successes was a lady who ran my office for nearly 10 years, Belle Rivera Addy, and she is now the Member of Parliament for Streatham, and I couldn't be more proud of her. Oh, I didn't know that. That's a, that's such a good little nugget. Yeah, I didn't realise that you and Belle were connected in that way. Like, I, I always saw the pictures of, like, you guys at events and things sort of looking friendly, but I, I had no idea that she actually ran your office. That's beautiful. And she was a brilliant office manager. Thank you. So to kick it off, it would be wonderful um, if you could read out the extract from your maiden speech for us, please. My maiden speech was 33 years ago, and it was on an immigration bill. And then as night, immigration was a highly contentious subject. So I said this, I rise to speak against the bill. I have the distinction of both being the daughter of immigrants and representing a constituency in North East London, which for more than a century has been a centre where immigrants have been welcomed. My parents came to this country in 1950 as immigrants from rural Jamaica. Contrary to what Conservative MPs might have us believe, they came. A whole generation of black and ethnic minority immigrants came, not to sponge, not to swamp anyone else's culture, not to provide objects of derision for Conservative MPs, but to work. They came for a better life for their children. They also came with pride as citizens of Britain and its Commonwealth and believing in that citizenship. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, how does it feel to be reading it back? Have you ever had to do that before? Has anyone asked you to do that before? I've never actually read it out before, but I really meant what I said. And it's as relevant now as it was 33 years ago. And the whole point was that the reason I became an MP was not just about having a career. I was a career civil servant. I worked in television for some time. I became a member of parliament to be a voice of people who didn't have a voice. And my first speech was really about that. 
Yeah, I guess I'd be interested in as well, just for a bit more context for those who are less sort of tuned into Westminster politics. What is the significance of a maiden speech for most MPs? Like, what does it mean to a lot of people? Well, a maiden speech is your very first speech. And there are other sexes where they call it a maiden speech rather than, I don't know, a juvenile speech. <laughs> um, and it tends to set the tone for your political career. And the fact I chose a subject and was quite combative about it, immigration, and the fact I was speaking about a subject which then, as now, is quite racialized, was a message to people that I wasn't going to be afraid of contention, and I wasn't going to be afraid of speaking up for black people. Thank you. As you said, it feels particularly pertinent to be reading out this section from your from your maiden speech, and I wanted to know, do you feel as though since that speech was made 33 years ago, where you reference your kind of parents' generation, do you feel as though many strides have been made um, in immigration policy since this point? I think generally some strides have been made. Young women like you running this project. We've got many more black members of parliament. And when I came into the parliament in 87, for 10 years, I was the only black woman in parliament. We've now got quite a few, including, as I said, my colleague, Barbara Berra-Addy. And you see many more black people as doctors and in business and so on. But sadly, as Black Lives Matter has drawn to everybody's attention, there is a lot further to go. And with the rise of online and with the anonymity people have online, you see much more blatant abuse and racism than you ever saw 30-odd years ago. I mean, when I first became an MP, if you wanted to abuse an MP, you wrote a letter, probably in green ink, you put it in an envelope, you popped it in a post box. Now, you just press a button over and over again. And in the run-up to the 2017 election, of all the abuse directed at female MPs, I got half. I think we published around that at the time and, and it was a shocking figure and, and a shocking indictment on the way in which particularly dark-skinned black women in the public eye can be treated in the online sphere. And I think, again, it is really important for us as a publication to sort of rally around you in that moment. And I hope that you felt the love back then because it was truly there. Just going back to sort of what Liv mentioned around um, actual immigration policy. I'm, I'm thinking around about what's happening right now with the channel crossings and just a lot of the rhetoric that we see around immigration. And one of the things that struck me within your within your speech, this idea you mentioned, like the immigrants came not to sponge, not to swamp anyone else's culture. And you know that was 33 years ago, and it's exactly the same rhetoric that we're seeing now that you're sort of referencing there do you have any optimism obviously with the current government I I would guess no but perhaps when Labour gets back into power that we can make a true change when it comes to immigration policy well generally I do have optimism actually you couldn't be on the left in politics and not be an optimist Um, (laughs) I mean immigrants have been a scapegoat for centuries I mean Mm. there were Irish immigrants in the 19th century Jewish immigrants came to this country after the first world war they were scapegoated uh, but now, of course, you have black migrants and also Eastern European migrants. And if I'm quite honest with you, there have been Labour politicians who have peddled anti-immigrant rhetoric sometimes. It's a Labour government which brought in rules, which mean that if you're a person of colour, 
you often ask to share your passport in hospital because there was this big thing at the time about um, you know immigrants coming here and getting free healthcare. Um, so yeah, I mean historically immigrants have been used as a scapegoat, but it's really been heightened, I think, in recent years, particularly around the history and the issue of Europe. And there's always something. I remember a time when the papers were full of stuff about Romanian immigrants, ladies in headscarves, you know. I mean, there's always something. I mean, currently, it's the migrants coming across the English Channel in rubber boats. And this is quite extraordinary. These are really very small numbers of people, desperate people. You wouldn't get in a boat and try and cross one of the busiest shipping lanes in the world if you weren't completely desperate. But the media completely demonises them. They talk as if it's the Normandy landings in reverse. They use rhetoric like an invasion. I mean, it's just appalling. Mm -hmm. And um, it's very sad. But I think for some people, it works. I mean, UKIP is really about being anti-immigrant. The underlying narrative, even in the EU referendum, was anti-immigrant. So I just think it's really important to stand up. And certainly when Jeremy Corbyn was leader and I was the Shadow Home Secretary, we were committed to fighting that rhetoric. We were committed, for instance, to closing down detention centres. Because people in detention centres have done nothing illegal um, apart from being immigrants. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, one of the things I was proud of the Shadow Home Secretary, we did our best to contest that really toxic immigration narrative. Apart from anything else, all it does is divide working people and turn them against each other. Yeah, and I think I remember you going to visit the women in Yarl's Wood. I feel like you spoke about that once. I don't know if you did it often, but I, I remember you sort of saying something very impactful um, at, at an event I was at about the time you'd spent with them and the stories that, that they told you about their experiences in Yellswood. So it was brilliant that you guys had that in mind. And I hope in future that um, that is able to come up as a policy again to, to rid ourselves of detention centres. For sure, for sure. I used to do a little bit of work around kind of Yarlswood and, and, and ending detention too. One thing I wanted to jump back to that you said was like, you know, you, you have to be an optimist and, and be on, on the left. And I kind of wanted to hear a little bit about how you, uh, in, in kind of the idea of hope and like looking to the future and how you maintain hope and this kind of like forward thinking imagination, the fact that it can often feel as though, you know, not maybe not a huge amount has changed in those kind of 33 years in terms of the rhetoric around immigration. And Well, since I've been a child, things have changed. You could never have dreamt that a black woman would be an MP mm -hmm. and certainly not that a black woman would be shadow home secretary, although some people found it quite upsetting. But no, things have changed and there are opportunities actually for younger people your age that didn't exist 30 years ago. So I think there are reasons to be hopeful, but it's tough. It's tough because people have a vested interest in dividing working people and encouraging working people to think that each other are the enemy rather than their employers or the tabloid newspapers and so on. So, yeah, I think there are reasons to be hopeful, but we just can't sit back and hope that things have changed. We all have to do our best in whatever way. You might not be a member of parliament or belong to a political party, but there are things you can do in your own community or with projects like this, which help to 
give us a better narrative around migration. Mm-mm-mm. I also wanted to touch on the fact that you've got your kind of like authorised biography coming out. And I wanted to know why it felt like now was the perfect time um, to put that work out into the world. Why now? Well, you know, um, the guy um, who wrote it, a guy called Robin Bunce, he's an academic at Cambridge. But the thing is, I got to know him because he wrote a really good biography of a man called Darkus Howe, who was a really high-profile black activist um, for much of my life. And it was such a good biography. And also he had, to, he had a real understanding of black politics, although he's not black himself. And I was quite impressed with that. So he came back to me because I did a review of his book and so on. And he said he'd like to do a biography of me. And I just thought, well, why not? And so he did. And he worked really hard. And he spoke to all sorts of people I haven't seen since I was at school and did a lot of research. And so, and it was really amazing in working with him on the biography, um, to look back over 33 years, and also to recognise how tough it was 33 years ago. Because I'm somebody who just tries to get through things a day at a time. But when you look back 33 years, I mean, it was tough at the beginning. It was really tough. What was the sort of most surprising thing it, it kind of uncovered or, or made you remember of, of that period in your life? He told me a story, actually, the other day that... Bernie Grant and Paul Bartang and Keith Fries and myself, we all came in 87. And my brother told me a story, Shatori, and he told him that before we actually came in, because we were selected. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. 
With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Tory MPs had a meeting to discuss how they were going to deal with these black MPs because it was seen as so strange and so potentially disruptive. And I really oh know that. But yeah, it was an all-white institution and it was mostly male as well. And four black MPs coming in was a big change. I think they thought we were going to be very wild and very disruptive. <laughs> God, I just imagine being sort of like a fly on the wall in that conversation that they had, like terrifying. Do you sort of enjoy the makeup of Parliament a bit more these days than you did back then in terms of it being obviously more diverse and just a a broader range of people that you have access to? Oh, one of the things that really gives me hope is how many more women MPs we've got. I mean, the Labour's Parliamentary Party is half women now. And when I came in, I think there were 32 of us out of... uh, 200 and something, but also how many more black women. The first 10 years of my parliamentary life, I was the only black woman in Parliament. And nobody ever confused me with anybody because there wasn't anybody else. I mean, <laughs> and the young black women that come in since, they do get confused a bit, which is ridiculous. So there's so many white men called John, no one confuses them, but they confuse Belle and Marsha and Dawn the whole time. But it's really great to look, to go into the Chamber of the House of Commons and look and see all these black women. And that, and that really gives me hope. And that's been the big change, a more diverse group of MPs and more black women. And because Labour has shown the way, the Tories have actually had more women and more black people in their party. And I'll tell you this, I'm not a Tory. I wouldn't dream of being a Tory. But you'll never hear me slag off black or Asian people in the Tory party because my view is we should be in all parties. And, you know, so I never abuse people personally. They've made their choice. I might discriminate on politics, but I think you should be in all parties. Mm. It's interesting. We we speak about this relatively often at, at Galdem and I'm sure you follow some of the conversations online about people sort of calling people of colour who... Uh, who are part of the Tories' parties or who lean to the right, they they call them traitors or, or, you know, think that it's just disgraceful how they sort of use, how they use aspects of their identity to kind of, like, dampen some of the criticism they receive, if that makes sense? No, it does make sense, yeah. I know what you're saying. I'm just saying that I publicly don't do that. Yeah. Because I think it's, yeah. it's bad for business. What we want is for all of us to be represented in all parties. And, you know... There are plenty of Tory MPs for me to criticise without mm. criticising Tory MPs of colour, whatever I think of them. And of course, there's been provocation at some times, but I don't do that. Do you think there's anything that you kind of wish you'd known entering into your role 33 years ago that you would go back and tell like a younger Diane? I didn't know how tough it was going to be. But there again, I'm somebody who's always just gone for things um, without reflecting on that it wasn't something someone like me was supposed to do. I remember when I was first selected for Parliament, um, all these journalists came to see me and said, what made you want to be an MP? What made you want to be an MP? And this journalist came to me, she was a Times journalist, she was all right, and she came to see me and she said, I know, she said straight away, I know why you want to become an MP. She said, 
I came from a working class family. I went to Cambridge. And if you're working class and you get into Cambridge or Oxford, for the rest of your life, you see an obstacle and you take it because you've had that early success. And um, I've always just gone ahead. And a, a friend of mine always says, if you're working class and you become an MP, it's the job your parents always wanted for you. Clean, indoor work and no heavy lifting. And that always sums up my attitude. I think despite everything, despite the abuse, despite all the nonsense, it's a privilege to be a member of Parliament. I've never thought it wasn't a privilege. There have been times when I've been really damn cast and thought about giving up. I remember years ago, many years ago, there was some horrible newspaper story. I can't even remember, actually. It's so ridiculous. And there'd been a horrible newspaper story the week before. And I just thought, I can't take this anymore. And I spoke... So a friend of mine was Keith Vance, who's had a difficult time recently, but Keith came to Parliament with me, same time as me, and so I knew him. And I said, you know what, Keith, I've had enough, I'm stepping down. And Keith said to me, no, you're not stepping down, Diane. He said, you have forgotten how hard it was for us to get here. And the fact that it was hard and the fact that, you know, we had to keep on moving forward has kept me going. I, I had a question to you actually about the kind of, public facing aspect of of being a parliamentarian would you have preferred to have sort of focused on behind the scenes activism or do you sort of enjoy being a public figure and the, and the the ability it gives you to to speak up to people i don't know if that if that makes sense no it makes sense um actually there's a lot of things you do as an mp behind the scenes which make a difference it's not all going on news night yeah. <laughs> um, so I think behind the scenes activism is really important. I also think a lot of people say, oh, I'd like to be an MP. But actually, what black politics really need is people that can work behind the scenes and organise and do stuff like you're doing. That's what you need, not just individual uh, politicians. But at the same time, for years, I've taken some satisfaction in waking up, listening to the Day programme or some other early morning news programme, thinking to myself, somebody should say something about that. And I think, I'll say something. It was cool that you that you know that you have that access to like resource or, or um, the people the people in power. I guess, you know, it is about power in a way. And I, I guess that's sort of, that's sort of my, my final sort of serious question for you is, do you think sort of, having the power that you do have um, within the confines of the government, within Parliament, has that changed you in any tangible way? Sort of knowing that you can make a difference, but also, I don't know, just um, there are definitely negative and positive things about having power, right? Yeah, I mean, there's certainly negative and positive things about being in public life. And I don't welcome the lack of privacy and also the lack of privacy for your family, my son, and so on. They pay a price and he's not, you know, he hasn't sought um, public life or public exposure. But um, I think as a politician, you're only as powerful as the people you're able to engage. You know, you're only as powerful as other people in a way. And the fact that as a member of parliament, I've, you know, had access to the media in a way I wouldn't do if I wasn't a member of parliament, has been important. And I remember I did a programme called This Week for 12 years. 
Now, I wasn't, I wasn't intended to do it for 12 years. Um, I was meant to do it for a couple of weeks. But to everyone's astonishment, including Michael Portillo and Andrew Neal, Michael Portillo, Andrew Neal and I really gelled. And in the end, I did it for 12 years. And it was really interesting to be able to go on television, at the very least, once a week, and talk about the week's events in a way that many other politicians, let alone any black activists, would have been allowed to do it 12 years, once a week, every week. And I was surprised when a lot of black people watched the programme. And I remember I was around a friend's house and her mum and people her mum's age were there and they said, oh, we really like you on this week. And I thought, well, they're just saying that because I'm here. One of them started telling me my views on the European Union and I thought, you really do watch the programme. One one kind of like final thing that we that we'd love for you to do and kind of reflect on is, you know, what do you think uh, a, a younger Diane and this can kind of like predate, you know, 33 years ago. But what do you think that your younger self would think of where you are now and also the person that you are now? I think my younger self would say that she tried. The first thing I did first job I had when I came down from Cambridge is I worked for the Home Office. I was a graduate trainee and I was quite senior because I was a graduate trainee. But what I saw there was that it's possible to rise up the ladder, but the price you pay for rising up the ladder is you lose your convictions, you lose, lose your beliefs. And so when you've got to a certain point, you don't actually make much difference because you've kind of left behind the things you believed in. So as a member of parliament, I've always been very concerned that I don't leave behind the things I believed in as a younger dynamo. And I have not left it behind. And I'm glad to be able to say that. Thank you so much. And I think that was so evident in hearing you read back that that kind of extract from your maiden speech as well. So um, thank you so much for sharing with us today. It's been incredible to hear from you. Thank you for having me. And I wish you all the very best of luck going forward. Thank you so much. Thank you. She's just so, she's so generous with her answers. Like every time, I feel like when we, when we did that, the event, like for Intelligence Squared, I I just feel like, yeah, you, there were insights and like all of these stories and things that, that she shared. And I feel like as someone that's like so in the public and often in ways that, like, she doesn't want to be in the public. I feel, like, very privileged to be able to sit down and, like, hear her really reflecting in a deep way on, you know, her journey. as a, Not only as, like, an MP, but also as a black woman and, like, a human being as well. So, yeah, for me, it it was just an honour, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I felt sound very moist, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Shy Liv made an appearance. <laughs> um yeah, I felt I, I I enjoyed that conversation and I appreciate her um responding to some of my more garbled questions. <laughs> she got there. it, but no, she got it, she got it. <laughs> but yeah, I guess I guess what I was really interested to hear from her on was, you know, that that's that sense of optimism that she still has and just confirmation mm. that she actually still does have it. Because I think, you know, when it's your job, you know, maybe you do just kind of get on with it and like but you actually don't think things are actually going to still change but 
She clearly does. When I asked her that question about this idea of hope, just like, obviously I have hope, you know, like, obviously I have to have hope to do the job yeah, that, I, yeah. that I do. And that makes so much sense. And, you know, she's she's able to map the changes and see, you know, in that kind of really expansive career, see how things have shifted, of course, whilst acknowledging that there's still a lot that um, that needs to change. But I was, yeah, you know, it was it was invigorating to hear her speak about having hope and like, you know, having this like wide imagination for like what can be and what is still to change and also for us as well to acknowledge that like the kind of like spaces and that we're able to occupy as like young black women like is a result of the work of like the Diane Abbotts and like our mums and like all of that thing the, the, the people who have been putting in the work long before we even existed so yeah I don't know it was it was an important thing to to reflect on and to look back on and I think we should absolutely all have hope and enthusiasm for the future. Yeah, definitely. Good reminder for for pessimistic people. So. <laughs> cool. All righty. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. Please tune in for the next episode. And you can find out more about growing up with Gowlem and also just Gowlem in general through the website. Um, we have a membership model which kind of enables us to do the work that we do. So please do subscribe, support, and you'll get lots of wonderful perks along the way. But yeah, until next week, thank you so much from myself and Charlie. We've loved recording this series um, and, and we're so grateful to all of you for listening week after week after week to our ramblings. So thank you. This has been an II Studios production. Thank you so much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode and that you'll tune into the next one. You can find Growing Up With Galdem on Apple Podcasts, the Acast app, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a review, rate us and subscribe. It really helps the show. And if you'd like to find out more about Galdem, you can head over to our Instagram page at Galdemzine. That's G-A-L-D-E-M-Z-I-N-E. Or you can visit our website, which is G-A-L hyphen, which is important, D-E-M dot com. Galdem has a book which is out now. It's called I Will Not Be Erased, Our Stories About Growing Up as People of Colour. You can find it in all good bookstores or online. Thank you so much for listening. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist-approved, so fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.